You're listening to Playback Daily. I'm Carol Moran, and here's what you might have missed today on your radio. Like Ashley was just a shining light to the kids and a very professional and talented young teacher, a lady who had extraordinary sports, musical and choral talents. Our thoughts and prayers are especially with Ashley's family, the Murphy family, who I know very well. Um, no words can express how they are going to deal with this sudden loss of their beautiful and talented daughter, Ashleen. It's very, very hard to think that she was here in school yesterday as a teacher and teaching her first-class students, who they adored her. And today, they have come in with little tears in their eyes and their teacher not there. And we start in a state of shock. The morning began in Tullamore, County Offaly. And we go first to County Offaly and Tullamore where yesterday evening a young woman was killed in what appears to be a random attack while out for a jog after work. A man has been arrested. The young woman is understood to be from the area and a local school teacher. Our reporter Joan O'Sullivan has been getting a reaction from shocked early commuters in Tullamore. Joan? Good morning, Mary. Um, Tullamore is still very much trying to come to terms with what happened just yesterday evening. There's a strong sense of almost disbelief about what has happened and that it could have happened in this town. Uh, the bare details of, this, of the story are enough for many people to just express a, a sense of shock. Uh, a 23-year-old school teacher exercising on the banks of the Grand Canal who apparently was out for a jog after work and the attack occurred at four o'clock in the afternoon, a time when many people would apparently use that area for walking, cycling and and jogging and so on and so forth. Garthi have arrested a man in his 40s. He's being detained at the moment. And news is still very much just filtering around the town this morning. What we understand so far is that the victim in this incident, the 23-year-old teacher, was a local woman from the area. Uh, She was a traditional musician and is from a family that would be well known in traditional music circles, both in the county and throughout the country. People here this morning said they were waking up to the news in some cases. All were expressing a deep sense of shock and sadness, and I think we can hear from some of them now. Unbelievable. I cannot, cannot believe it. Poor young girl, young teacher. Crazy, so it is. I don't know what people are coming to. Very heartbreaking, so it is. And the family and everyone. Very terrible. Terrible altogether. Should have never happened. Well... To be honest with you, I only just found out before I, when I got out of my car this morning when a neighbour told me. I mean, it's very sad and my heart goes out to the, the families involved and we would walk down that canal line many, many times. You know, and it's, and it's, and it's very sad. And as I say, my heart goes out to the families involved. Joan O'Sullivan in Tullamore on Morning Ireland. Then later, the name was released of young teacher and musician Ashling Murphy. Here's Claire Byrne. The shocking and tragic killing of a 22-year-old teacher in Tullamore yesterday afternoon as she was out jogging has led to huge disbelief and anger, not just locally, but right across the country. While a man in his 40s is still being detained in connection with the murder of the young woman named locally as Ashling Murphy, many in the area are trying to make sense of this tragedy today and our reporter Brian O'Connell is in Tullamore for us. Brian, you've been talking to people there this morning. I've been speaking to locals here in Tullamore from early morning and the overriding response you get here, Claire, to this shocking killing 
are ones of utter disbelief turning to anger. I mean, I've rarely been in a community where the sense of shock is so palpable. Uh, people are finding it hard to find the words to sum up their sense of shock and their revulsion, as you can imagine, at this killing, and to try and express their total solidarity and support to the Murphy family. Now, Ashley was a very well-liked and a very well-known member of the community here. They came from just outside the town of Tullamore. She comes from, as I said, a well-known musical family. Her father, Ray, played for many years in a band, Best Foot Forward. They have a, a very large following in the area and beyond. And she herself was deeply connected to music, particularly traditional Irish music. She was also involved in community events, as was her father, Ray. And just before Christmas, Ashleen had helped organise the school choir at the Christmas market locally. The area where she was killed is a, a scenic part of the Grand Canal Banks. It's used by walkers, cyclists and joggers. And even early this morning, while large parts of it are sealed off by Gardaí, there were still people walking their dogs and using those parts of it that are still open. So it's a very popular area of the uh, town here. One of those who lives near the area is local Fianna Fáil councillor and Cahirlach of Tullamore Municipal District, Tony McCormack. And he gave me his reaction to this tragic event yesterday. The feeling has been um, one of, of huge sadness and shock. Sadness in the fact that family having to go through something like this and shocking in, 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 in um, the fact that you never think that something like this can happen so close to home. It's normally far away in, in bigger cities or, or in, in, in other countries. This morning, what would, you would feel is an awful lot of sadness. My thoughts and prayers would go towards the family and I know the family um, the family are very, very well known, very, very well liked, uh, involved hugely in the local music scene, um, also uh, involved in an awful lot of community organisations. Um, and uh, she was herself uh, involved in a lot of community organisations here in Tullamore and the surrounding area, also a local teacher. So she was very much a huge career, career ahead of her. Um, and, you know, the sadness at this stage is, is, is huge. Um, because I suppose you just don't never never think that something like this is going to happen. I myself live very very close to where it happened. I live about five hundred meters from where it happened. I can step out my back door and walk across the field onto the canal, and about four hundred meters from there, then is where it happened. And you know I use that place every day um, uh, to go running or walking. Can't understand. And um, this has actually happened. It shakes you to your core, doesn't it? And it, it questions all your beliefs and your sense of security. It does. It questions your, your sense of security. You know, like somewhere that w I would have thought was very, very safe, especially at that time of day. But at that time of the day, there would be a lot of people on that particular stretch of the canal between Digby Bridge and, and Boland's Lock. Um, and for it happened in broad daylight, it's just absolutely rocks, rocks you to your core. My sisters would be uh, keen athletes as well, and they would spend time on the canal. And, you know, it could have been anybody. It just could have been anybody that this happened to. Um, and for the family that did happen to I just don't know how they're going to get over it. I feel so sorry for them. Um, and as I say, my thoughts and prayers go, go, go to them today. Tony McCormick talking to Brian O'Connell. Then Sarah Benson, CEO of Women's Aid, spoke to Claire. It's an absolutely appalling um, experience for any family, any loved one, any friend or colleague to, to be having to process today. And uh, we're acutely sensitive to that and, and send all our good wishes uh, for what will be a, a terribly long journey, um, you know, with such a senseless loss of life of Ashling. But your statement this morning uh, is directed at the fact that you believe that every woman should have the right to be safe both in their own homes and in their communities. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it would echo what the previous speaker has said there is that 
the reality is that women uh, don't feel safe uh, often in any public place, whether it is in broad daylight, in crowded spaces, let alone in kind of those kind of stereotypical darkened alley scenarios. And, and that really, uh, a spotlight shone on that um, with, the, uh, with, the, with the murder of Sarah Everard in the United Kingdom. There was a huge uh, outpouring of expressions uh, by women of that experience, which, which goes almost uh, appallingly from cradle to grave in that sense of where men may feel safe and comfortable in certain environments when you look at it through the lens of uh, a women's experience. All of those kind of um, internalised uh, fears do manifest themselves from everything to, you know, uh, you know that, that, that thing where women would talk about, you know, holding their keys in their hands if they're walking on their own. Mm-hmm. And, and what we really want to emphasise is that we can't... Uh, have another tragic incident where we don't grasp the momentum behind this. We can't look at what women can do to stay safe. We can't look at the places where uh, these appalling acts are perpetrated because they actually are irrelevant. What we need to focus on are the behaviours and attitudes, even from the most casual sexism, which do accumulate, and there is strong research to show this, in the most egregious forms of male violence against women. And and this is an example of that. We we can't... um, you know, uh, squander the, the, the huge potential that these women have lost uh, by, by not making sure that we make our society, our community safer. And you say in your statement this morning that while 13% of women are killed by a stranger, so it, it is rare, killing of women by strangers is a rare occurrence. There is a climate of fear, uh, you say, in which women live. Now, for many women, and women listening to this will know, there are certain places at certain times that are just that just can't be on your agenda as a woman. Now, this is a, a different case because Ashley Murphy was out running at four o'clock in daylight. But for many women, and you spoke about the keys in the hand, there are places at times that are just we just can't go to. Yeah, and, and why on earth should that be the case? It, it, as I say, it shouldn't be about the places. And this is what we would emphasise, you know, in, in our decades of work, you know, to, to kind of combat male violence against women uh, and, and working with thousands upon thousands of women is that, you know, the, the, it's not the places, it's who might be in those places. And so, again, we need to really... Uh, home with laser focus in on the perpetrators. You know, what has led to the point where a man feels entitled to act out with such uh, aggression, such fatal aggression uh, towards a woman? And, and as I say, there is, a, there is a broad spectrum. This is at the very extreme end, but it is all informed by kind of misogynistic sexist stereotypes, the sexualization of young women. And, and I really would crucially say that any efforts to combat this really, you know, we, we talk about we need to work men and women as allies in this. Uh, there can be a defensiveness on the part of some men sometimes when things like this happen. I, think, I, I say we need to set that aside and go, look, the vast majority of violence against both men and women is perpetrated by men. With women, there is a very distinct uh, gendered stereotype that feeds into that. So, of course, not all men, but we really need to work from, from the very earliest stages with our boys, with our girls, around principles of equality, of mutuality, because that's the only way we're actually going to get rid of, as you say, that culture of fear. Claire Benson from Today with Claire Byrne. Then later, Brian Dobson spoke to James Hogan, the principal of the school where Ashling Murphy was a teacher. Today is a day, I suppose, that nobody can get prepared for and um, or it's an unexpected tragedy and, and like, 
from a school point of view that like the parents, the staff, pupils and the wider community of Stora National School here in Offaly are just utterly devastated by the passing of our dear colleague and friend, Miss Ashley Murphy. A little bit about Ashley. Ashley began teaching here in Doro in March 2021 and you know I know both on a professional level as principal but as a personal level as well because she was a highly rated talented um, traditional arts musician and, and we have great connections but during her time here we found like Ashley was just a shining light to the kids and a very professional and talented young teacher a lady who had extraordinary sports musical and choral talents she was an inspiration to so many not only in our school but across the wider community of schools and, and other organisations in the area that she was involved with. So we're thinking of those at this time as well. Uh, look, on hearing the, the news of this horrific tragedy, uh, the staff, children and the greater school community and wider Tullamore area, we're all left in a state of shock and numbness at this time. Um, our priority as a school, I suppose, is to follow our critical incident policy and plan and you know, our number one priority is the care of the staff and children at this sad time. And in this context, we have support for the staff and children in place through our critical incident policy and we have support of NEPS psychologists on site all day as well. As I said, it, it's just heartbreaking. We're, we're trying to comprehend with it. Um, we're, we're a very close community here in Doro and the staff, uh, we met early this morning, we had a briefing and we had tears. There was waves of tears from everyone and Ashley was a family member to us. And, and we, like on behalf, we have support, our, our chairperson, the board of management is here, our parochial team, we have every asset going to us and our board of management and myself would like to extend our sincere thanks to everybody who has offered their messages of condolences, mm. uh, including the local schools in the area and just nationwide. It's flooding in with calls and emails. And this is a, you know, a, a scene that we've not seen before, to say. Mm. And we want to really, really think about here at this present time. Um, our thoughts and prayers are especially with Ashley's family, the Murphy family, who I know very well. Um, no words can express how they are going to deal with this sudden loss of their beautiful and talented daughter, Ashleen. It's very, very hard to think that she was here in school yesterday as a teacher and teaching her first-class students, who they adored her. And today, they have come in with little tears in their eyes and their teacher not there. But I'm just going to leave, give you a, an example of how children deal with it. Um, one of our staff members are working with the class today and, and two other teachers happen to be in the room and we have a lovely shrine set up in the classroom of Ashling and in our school at the front gate but the children being children and they will it just goes to show that they they talk about Miss Murphy and one child in particular said so bear in mind there was three staff members in the room and one child said there's four teachers in the room here now and they named the three teachers and pointed to Miss Murphy's photo. So I just thought that's lovely to think how children are remembered. Like they said, she's, she's not here, but she's not forgotten. And to us, she is go we're going to be so, so devastated to lose such a colleague, a friend, a, a bright light that just would put a smile on anyone's face. And we are deeply, deeply sorry to, to lose a young girl who is so much going for her. And again, we are just really thinking of the family and her extended family and friends during this sad time. James Hogan speaking to Brian Dobson from the News at One. Then later, Katie Hannan was on the live line 
with a nation trying to comprehend the senseless tragedy. Now, it's not even 24 hours since we heard the devastating news of the murder of Ashley Murphy. Our deepest, most sincere sympathies of all the team here to Ashling's family, to her friends, to her colleagues, to her, to those children that, that, that she taught and that obviously uh, so loved her. Um, we don't want to add to their grief in any way, but this has unleashed a tsunami of emotions, uh, fear, anger, sadness across, I think, all generations of Irish women and the men who care for us. And we need to talk about this. Pamela, good afternoon. Hello, Kitty. You um, called I'm very, Pamela. I feel very nervous, but um, I just speaking to the person that rang me. I I just felt duty bound to speak to you because um, I'm just so upset. I'm heartbroken. I'm raging. I'm just a, just awash with emotions about it. So I'm probably not going to be very coherent. But um, I was also listening to Helen McEntee there on the news. And I'm just standing in my kitchen thinking it's the same old, same old, same old sentences coming out and nothing changes, nothing changes. I'm 72. I have daughters myself and I've been afraid of men all my life and nothing changes. Yeah, you got in touch with the programme, Pamela, because that's exactly what you said. You said you'd been afraid of men all your life. What, What do you mean by that? Um, Growing up in the culture, growing up um, in the newspapers, growing up when I was small, reading in the newspapers, um, people being murdered, mostly women being murdered by men, on the television, uh, the programmes on the television, even today, they're all about women being murdered by men. I mean, it's just everywhere, and it's just like, um, I think people are asleep. Uh, the people must be asleep. Men are asleep anyway. I think the women are awake. I think the men are asleep. And I just, I just feel so angry. I think anger is something that I, I'm hearing a lot, and you're seeing it yeah. uh, across social media today. Uh, mm. Women feeling, you know, when is it going? Are we going to be able to feel safe? Yes. In public spaces. But I, I don't know what to do with the anger. That's that's the thing. I don't know what to do with it. It's like uh, it's like walls. There are walls everywhere. And uh, uh, yes, I just, I just don't know. This is the only way. This is the only way I can. I feel I can do anything. And I just, as I said, I've just felt duty bound to speak. And I'm not finding it very easy. But um, I just, I'm just so heartbroken for that girl. And her family. Absolutely. And I think, again, that's shared by so many people across the country mm. today. You you have a daughter yourself? I have two daughters, yes. And, uh, like, do they, you know, you've obviously you've talked about this with them. Yes, I've spoken to one daughter. I haven't spoken to my other daughter about it, no. Do you think it has moved on? Do you think that, that it has changed in any way from when you were their age? Um... A tiny bit, but they still have to be careful when they go out. Growing up, um, we we were telling them to be careful, not to walk home alone at night, all the usual stuff. Um, And like that's that's as much as can be done. Nothing, but nothing has changed. Nothing changes. 
Pamela there, then Tom, a student at NUIG called Katie. Do you do you understand this this thing, this sense uh, that I just mentioned there, this idea that, you, you know, women feeling unsafe being out of doors on their own or after dark? Yeah, now certainly not by myself and my own personal capacity, of course, but I have so many friends who are girls um, and it's just highlighted how difficult it is for them. Um, many of them would go on a night out and if they're going home, they have to share their WhatsApp location with me or another friend or a number of friends, um, call a friend when they're walking home. Some don't even go home, they stay on couches just so they don't run the risk. And that was all, that's been the case with nighttime, nightlife for a long time. But the fact that this might now, that attitude and that vigilance might have to be needed um, during the daytime is just so scary um, for them in particular. Yeah, because uh, again, um, it's the fact that this happened at four o'clock and we know it was it was still bright at four o'clock yesterday. Um, mm. uh, that has really sent uh, shockwaves uh, around the country. And as you say, but even at that, it's extraordinary, isn't it, Tom, how normalised we made that. Like, mm. I don't know that many mm. men who feel that they would have to share WhatsApp locations or take, you know, as many other friends I would know would take photographs of, of you know, the taxi plates that they, as, as they get into a taxi or, as you say, you know, te- text the minute they get home or have somebody text them or, or, or pretend to be on the phone when they're out of doors. Exactly. The, the, and that's, the, the, yeah, it's, um, and I saw that on Twitter, you know, that, that it's been packed this morning um, with harrowing testimonies from women um, and girls even uh, below 18 uh, from across the country um, with stories about what they've gone through and men don't understand the privilege that we have that we can go walking the vast majority of the time without having to worry about somebody coming up to us. I'm six foot one um, and that gives me a certain confidence but a lot of the girls I know would be um, quite small because that's just a genetic thing. It, it comes down um, and somebody was even saying on Twitter there I saw today that no matter how much self-defence training a girl could do they couldn't stop a six foot three guy you know who was who's on the local GAA team or the rugby team coming up to them and doing something like that. Um, so it's really disgraceful that it, that it is still happening in 2022 when we think about um, the equality we're striving for nowadays that, that, that this Terrible divide is still there. Then Katie spoke to Ruth. This is such a shocking story. I think everyone is trying to uh, come to terms with it. Well, I mean, I, I you know, first of all, I want to um, express my extreme sympathy to um, to that family. I have to say, I never heard so many shocked people as there were in the, the town of Tullamore today, um, men and women. But to go back to the issue about women and uh, fear and where they are and what's up, there's, there is a deep-seated problem amongst uh, in society about women's behaviour. And this is um, a friend of mine, a male friend this morning, we were talking about, he said that he saw a girl jogging in Ainsley Bridge in the last few days a van passed by with a group of yobs in it and they shouted out the window at her. And she was doing absolutely no harm to anybody. But something about her independence, her sense of herself, threatened these yobs in a van. 
um, you know, so there's something um, amongst a certain um, part of society that the more independent you are, the more you're your own woman, that this is a threat to to men. I had a small incident during COVID, tiny incident. I was in Marks and Spencer's. It was before masks were mandated. This guy stuck his black um, mask into my face. I was a bit startled because I didn't see him coming. And I then walked around the shop, did my my, um, shopping. And as I was paying, I said something to the shop and he had appeared at my side and made another smart remark. Well, at that stage, I had rallied and I just used the same expletive six times in the same tone for him to go away. In Marks and Spencer's, he got off from the fact that I thought that I looked a bit startled but what he didn't know was that I had well rallied by the time I got to the checkout. So what is it about? What is it about? Exactly. Now I'm asking men to turn up tomorrow at this vigil. I'm hoping to go to it at four o'clock outside the door. I don't want to see a, a sea of women upset and emotion. I want men there side by side who are saying enough is enough. We do not want to be associated with these kind of men. And the article in the Irish Examiner today, brilliant Philip O'Connor said, every time you hear a woman called a slag and a bitch and whatever else in a pub, why don't you as a man challenge it instead of us categorising women into virgins, martyrs, saints, wonderful mothers? We are all just human beings and we're entitled to our respect and our dignity. Well, that's Ruth. Then Dr Neve Cummings called Katie with her own experiences. I've had, I suppose, this was across my life, I've had every experience, you know, from everyday discrimination, sexism, bullying, um, stalking at one stage. And then I suppose the two two experiences you mentioned, which were particularly frightening. And I suppose I just want to start by sympathising with, with Ashton's family and how absolutely devastated they must be today. Um, there's, there's nothing anyone can say that can console them. But, you know, if they just know we're all thinking of them and we're all absolutely heartbroken for them. Absolutely, um, absolutely. That, um, you know, this... This is our fair ever moment. Um, we're a year, almost a year on from that, and what has changed? Really, nothing has changed. Um, I happened to be on a different canal at four o'clock yesterday evening, going for a run myself, and stayed out a little bit too late and was getting nervous as, as I returned. Uh, funnily enough, um, Neve, so was I. I was I was running along the Dodder at exactly that time yesterday evening, and exactly the same thought had occurred to me because it, the darkness came down faster than 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 I had expected. Um, mm. So yeah, but anyway, sorry, you you. You to take me back. You said yourself there was a number, and of course you have a professional uh, interest and, and knowledge of this as well. But just in terms of your own personal experience, um, take yeah, me back to that so, time in the woods in Waterford. Yeah, so this was when I was back in college, and I was at home and went for a run in my local woods, and uh, I was running along and near enough to the end of my run, so you know starting to get a bit tired, and um, heard somebody behind me and kind of just looked back and. And then almost instantly took a second look because I, I realised that it wasn't just your, your standard runner, that he, was, he wasn't wearing running gear. Um, and I realised that he wasn't running, he was chasing me. Um, I can still picture what he was wearing. He was wearing a suede jacket and boots and jeans and he was chasing me. And oh. I, you know, obviously panicked and, and started going faster and, and I've competed for Ireland in my day, but 
you know, I'm no match for, you know, a, a young fit man either at the same time. And he was gaining on me and I was just very lucky in that there was a, a turn just up ahead and it was a crossroads. And I just thought to myself, OK, um, so I just, you know, ran as hard as I could for that corner and then just veered off and went straight into the bushes. I thought it was the last thing he'd expect and he would know where to find me. So veered off and crouched down in, in the ferns and, you know, terrified, trying to control my breathing, trying to stay as quiet as I could. And he came around that corner and realised what I did and I'll never forget the smile on his face. You know, he just almost relished the fact that I, you know, challenged him or, you know, that he knew what I'd done, you know, but didn't know where to find me and, you know, started searching for me and... Um, walked up one path, walked down another path, um, you know, kind of looked around behind a few trees. Um, you must there, have been you know, absolutely terrified. Petrified, absolutely petrified, you know, frozen solid, just, you know, um, I could probably still smell the ferns, you know, um, just when I think about it. And, you know, just thinking, it, it felt like hours. I mean, it was probably only minutes. It felt like hours. And Neve spoke about another incident. Um, I was in the States, actually. On a on a J one visa in Cape Cod, and um, on a night out with uh, all my housemates, um, thirteen of us, thirteen girls in the house, and um, you know, wearing a short dress, drinking, all of the things that I would have been victim blamed for if it had had a different ending. Um, I bumped into a friend from college and got separated from my housemates, and then at the end of the night, um, there was just the two of us left, and she um, lived in a different direction, and there was one space left in the taxi, and I said to her, take it, I'll run home. You know, I'll be home in 15 minutes. So I started jogging home, and um, just as I, I wasn't too far from home, and then I heard a car coming, and, and then I heard it getting closer, and it slowed down, and then I heard the noise, and my heart just sank, and... Um, it was a pickup truck of young drunk guys and um, I just knew straight away like my blood just ran cold and um, they you know they stopped just up the road and instinct just kicked in and I just took off running again and I thought here I am again running you know and lost the shoe um, as I crossed the road um, I ran for there was a fire station just back a little bit and across the road and I thought to myself you know firemen firemen they're going to save me you know and um, ran in the gates and pickup truck was doing a U-turn up the road and ran in the gates and realised there was no lights on and was hoping against hope that there was somebody inside and just asleep. was banging at the door frantically and no answer and just had to make for the trees again um, because it was surrounded by sort of bushes and trees and just dived for the trees as oh. pickup truck. Yeah, I was going to say, where were they at this stage then? Just pulling in. Um, so so I dived for the, for the trees and... Um, and hid myself in the bushes and uh, they pulled in um, five guys very drunk you know smashing bottles drinking whiskey um, throwing beer cans around um, calling me a pretty young thing come out and play all of the fun we'd have together um, and um, I was just petrified and um, after God it's like a horror movie the way you describe it there Neve. it's like a horror movie that's every woman's nightmare it was yeah just surreal um and then you know gradually they started getting angrier as i didn't appear and the discourse changed quite rapidly from you know um being a pretty young thing to being you know um just calling me every abusive word under the sun um you know now they wanted to punish me um that they were going to you know um describing in, you know, very graphic detail what they would do to me uh, to punish me for not showing up and um, and then they started searching 
and I thought that was it. I really did. Um, I was thinking of my family back home, thinking of, you know, how foolish I was, how did I let myself get in this position, um, victim-blaming myself, of course, um, and just thinking, and then just then as they got closer, just praying it would be over quickly and that it wouldn't be too painful, just, you know, because I really thought that was it. Um, <sighs> but I suppose my only saving grace was that they were that drunk. And that they really didn't look properly. If they'd done any kind of systematic search at all, they would have found me. I wasn't that well hidden. Um, I wasn't that. I was probably a few feet away from where they where they were. You know where they stood. Um, but they thankfully got bored and uh, started talking about a strip club. And then one of them said they needed more than a strip club, and that they won't use the words they used, but that they wanted to go to a brothel. So uh, they piled into the pickup truck and drove away. And I lay there shoeless. Um, covered in dirt, just crying and thinking, thanking my lucky stars for the lucky escape I had. And, um, yeah, just aware that I was so lucky. And and I know, I'm very, very aware that, you know, um, probably should have been, been a trigger warning on this, but, you know, there's other women listening who aren't so lucky and, and I'm telling that story from a place of privilege. So, um, you know, to anyone else who's out there listening and who's been through anything like that, I, my heart just goes out to you. And then Ray Darcy was also talking about Ashling. Um, it's difficult to make sense of what happened uh, in Tullamore at four o'clock yesterday. Um, and uh, it's difficult to find words. Um, and we're all going through it together. But of course, more acutely, Ashling's family and friends and our thoughts are with them. And the staff of Durham National School and the pupils there. And then all the people who Ashling would have touched throughout her life. I'm thinking about she played sports, team sports. She was a member of Ballyboy. Uh, called us Kjol Tori. She would have been in sessions all over the place uh, playing the fiddle. Uh, all of those people, all of those people who knew Ashling and spent time with her, our thoughts are with you. Uh, and the people who came upon Ashling yesterday evening, um, our thoughts are with you as well. Uh, it's When I heard the reports first, um, I thought there must have been a mistake. Like it was four o'clock, it was still daylight. Um, Jennifer O'Connell is writing in the Irish Times um, and I'll just read the opening paragraph to you Ashley Murphy was doing what countless other people in Ireland also did yesterday mostly without giving it a second thought on a bright clear January afternoon in an achingly beautiful part of the country she was going for a run the fact that this luminous young woman will never come home is an unfathomable tragedy made sharper by the sheer ordinariness of her actions yesterday afternoon and the fact that a route brought her along Fiona's way, named in honour of missing woman Fiona Pender. She came home from her job as a primary school teacher. She decided to go for a run. By tea time, she was dead. And like I was in two Zoom meetings this morning and you've been encountering people and everybody wants to talk about it but doesn't know what to say. And, and there's shock, and there's anger, there's upset, there's fear, um, tears, like... 23-year-old primary school school teacher out for a run. Phil, we all, like, when will this end? Like, we, we ask ourselves that and, and we're all touched for various reasons. We're, 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 we're dads or we're, we're mothers or we're sisters or we're whatever, aunties, uncles, whatever. Um, and this, this, we've had this chat before, lads. We've been here before. How do we end the cycle? Because monkey see, monkey do. And if there's a generation of men that think a certain way and act a certain way towards women, they have sons and those sons see how their fathers behave and they, you know, they emulate it. That's it. That's what happens. That's the way of the world. But today, 
how do, how do we make sense of it? And and we we thought that listening to Live Line and listening to Brian Dobson talking to the the, the principal of Durham National School, that maybe we we would get somebody who could maybe talk us through it uh, and try and help us to make sense of what we're experiencing. So uh, psychologist Neve Fitzpatrick uh, is on the line. How are you doing, Neve? Hi, Ray. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks so much for taking our call today. Um, we thought of you, uh, Neve, because you're a psychologist, but also because you have experienced national grieving and shock um, and, and, and your family was at the centre of it. So you, you've given this a lot of thought and, you, and you've written about it. So we were really appreciative that you came on and, and are willing to talk to us today. So, so what's okay. happening today in, in, in the community out there, do you think, Neve? I suppose the first thing I, I have to say when it comes to anything like this is we must acknowledge the pain. And, and for me, I'd like to extend my condolences to Ashling's family, her friends, her colleagues, her, her pupils, everybody. It's just it's immense. And what's happening is really shock is the first thing that happens, because anybody who if we just take if we take Ashling's world, anybody who is in Ashling's world, their life has changed. Their life has changed. It becomes a before and it becomes an after. And there's a loss of innocence in that, in, in what has happened. You know, Ashling going out to do something, as Jennifer said, so ordinary that so many other people did yesterday. I think even on Twitter, I saw somebody who had posted um, a photo, you know, of a canal that they did a run on mm. during that day. So many people doing so much ordinary things. And then this young woman doesn't come back. So there's a shock. What happens now with this first is an immense shock. Um, and I think you used the word earlier, senseless. It's just, it's so senseless. So that's why our minds now are trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. But that shock is what comes in first. Neve Fitzpatrick on The Ray Darcy Show. And that's it for Playback Daily, so mind yourself till next time.